Sentire Media. You are listening to the Latavola Marche Radio Network. Hello and welcome. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of our little podcast from Italy. My name's Jason. Ciao, buongiorno. I'm Ashley. And today's the 2nd of April. I hope everyone had a nice holiday weekend. Uh, it's time to get into the groove here in Italy. Get into the groove. <laughs> yes, it is. It feels so good. We've had our first guests. Easter It is the official kickoff to the uh, season of... of uh, Having the agriturismo open and all for our neighbors as well. It's always, okay, once Easter starts, the season begins. It doesn't really feel like the season should no. be. It's a cold, overcast, I shouldn't say cold, chilly, overcast day. Well, we're uh, sitting outside. We're sitting outside and we're listening to the water pass through the uh, through the little stream that goes along our house. And hope maybe it'll, maybe it'll pick up. Let's I doubt it. And the birds chirping. A few of the trees are starting to bloom. But it is just, <laughs> it is wet. Yeah, it is wet. We had Gaggi over this morning. The Gajster, as everyone knows, our adopted <laughs> Italian father. He was over this morning complaining about how there's nothing to do. He's going back to Fano. He's very upset with very the Very agitated. Very agitated. <laughs> he was in a good mood this morning. He was in a good very mood. Very playful. Yeah, yeah. Talking about quasi-hippies on the coast. <laughs> so funny there's always a crack up but uh it's late it's uh 10 it's 10 in the morning right now and we find europe finally did its uh changeover to change the clocks last week uh this last weekend so i know i was gonna say i think that's why it's a little late for us we're a little off from the time change yeah and because it's so dark and cloudy out it doesn't make you want to jump out of bed so much but we are out on the porch and uh the cats are joining us (laughs) and so let's talk about the guests we've had um, all right. Let's dish. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great kickoff to the season. We talked about the perennial plate guys that we had. And um, we just had a uh, family doctor from Northwestern. Northwestern University, which we'll talk about uh, Dr. Mike in a minute. Yeah, we've got a great interview with him coming up. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay, uh, stay, stick around for the second half of the segment. But, and, we had a, uh, and we had a great Easter. We went yesterday to a hardcore farmer's breakfast. So Come una volta. Like one time. So in Italy, you don't really eat a big breakfast very often. And, um, no. Easter and uh, Pasquetta or Pasquetta. And Pasquetta, Easter and Little Easter Monday is one time when they when Italians will get together, and we were invited out to Carlo and Gigi's, our f- pig farmer friends out uh, by Urbino, for a farmer's breakfast. Seriously, seriously. Uh, this was no um, no joke. No joke. A lot. Uh, no we, pancakes. No, 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 no. <laughs> we had a beautiful salad of tripe that they served first. With okay, and not a fan of tripe. Ashley's not a fan of tripe, but uh, but it was delicious. It, it was. was. It was with potatoes and um, some cut up vegetables. And a ton of like olive oil. Olive oil and a little lemon. And, and it was really good. It, it kind of freaked me out. I was like, uh, looking at Jason, oh God, should I try this? And you have to try it. You have to be nice and try everything. And oh God, but it was. It was not bad. It was really good. It was really good. Then they served a, um, uh, a dish of the lungs and kidneys and heart and liver of both the 
pig and the lamb separately. And, separately, and those were kind of like cooked, uh, slow cooked in oil. Really flavorful, really good. It was the best version of that I'd ever had too. I preferred the lamb. I thought it was a little more mild than the the pig, but it was good. I was shocked. I was pretty like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm eating this stuff. Uh, what else? What else? <laughs> Just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Well, also because they had awesome homemade bread, uh, like a kind of like a big fat tortilla of a flatbread, and then a piadine, and then they had. I think those were um, piadine romagnolo. I think so too, because they, they didn't have like Emilia the strudo. No, it's a different. It's almost like a bread that's just that's where he's from yeah so i think that's where that was from because i didn't recognize that bread no but it was good it was delicious and then they also had a like a focaccia kind of and that was awesome (laughs) um what other plates came then um then he did um ribs uh pork ribs from his pigs in umido and like tomato sauce slow cooked oh and the um frittata yep and a frittata of budeli so the small the small intestine of the pig that they that was good that was good and i know you say oh that's weird but i know that these things sound really gross it sounds really weird but think of all the sausages and salamis are are encased in these budeli so So you eat it anyway you you eat you know it's not that big of a deal it's just a porky bit (laughs) <laughs> Tastes like pork. It's, all the stuff was really, really good. Um, oh, and then there was tripe in another way too, with like a wild fennel um, uh, yeah, and a tri- red sauce. Tripe in like a red sauce with wild fennel. That one I was not as wide a, a wild. I about. thought that was good too, but he cooked the tripe really well. It wasn't chewy at all. Which no. tripe can sometimes be chewy. Look, it's not something that I wake up on a, <laughs> on a Saturday and be like, hmm, let's go get some tripe in the lungs. But. <laughs> <laughs> But it was good. It was good to have have this have something different. I know it, it was, really it was. It was different. When we went back to the car, I was like, I'm kind of proud of myself. I didn't freak out. I was very um, respectful, and I tried everything, and I pretty much liked everything. Yep. And they, um, Gija makes this awesome marmalade of green tomatoes, and I've got to do it because she used it on a crostata, and it was really, really good. So you pick the tomatoes that are won't get uh, turned red at the end of the season in the, in the late September. Uh, the plants still continue to produce tomatoes, and they're just not going to get red until the uh, f- before the frost comes. So you pick them and you make a marmalade out of. And it didn't have a. It was interesting. It didn't really have a tomatoy taste. No, it had. It tasted like fruit. Yeah, it did taste like fruit. Absolutely. It was really good. So that was great. It was fun to get invited out there, and we couldn't go the normal road to their house because <laughs> it was washed. It was totally muddied out. So we had to go this. Not too crazy. I mean, we live on a kind of crazy uh, Strada Bianca or a white road anyway. So to go, you know, 20 minutes through the hills on a white road is not that big of a deal. No, I was just nervous that I hoped to God I got the directions right that he was telling me on the phone. Because he started talking so fast and I was like, okay, uh, keep making rights, keep making rights. And then he kept talking and talking and talking. I thought, oh my God, how long are these directions? I'm never going to remember this. And I was like, oh, I'll, just, I'll give you a call when I get to about that point there. And sure enough, we found it. So I was really relieved. I thought, oh God, Jason's going to kill me. We're going to get stuck down some crazy dirt road and I'm not going to have understood any of this. But uh, we made it. It was a lovely way to spend Monday morning. So, um, so yeah, we had we did exactly that. We did um, uh, Pasquetto or Little Easter with friends, and that's how the saying goes. You spend Easter Sunday with family and Little Easter Monday with your friends. So it was great. It was great to see Carla and Gigi, and we're going to go to a Ooh, yeah. giant uh, agricultural, like, um, what would you call it, Fiera? Market. 
It's not a market. It's like a exposition. Yeah, expo. Expo. We're going to a giant um, agricultural expo near Perugia on Friday. Live so. animals. Live animals. Equipment. Different things. Tools, tools. Tractors. Everything for the countryside. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Jason's face lit up. When they started talking about it, he's like, what time? Where? I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> How much not, money can I spend? I'm not going to buy anything, but... He was asking Gaji today, is there anything we need? Anything at all? Some Just some tools I should get? Or... Oh, Capso boy, I'll save you. All you want to do is spend your money. <laughs> So Easter Easter went great. It I, was. It was nice. Yeah, um, it seems like it, it. I can't believe it's Easter. I can't believe it's April already. I know. It's to the second of April today. Oh my God! But um, right before Easter, we we had uh, Ash. Well, you t- you set it up, Ash. We had um, Dr. Mike Rykotz here from Northwestern, a super energetic family practitioner, who was here to learn all about the Mediterranean diet and the secret to long life. All right, so here he is. All right, today we have a very special guest with us. Um, our first interview with a guest who is also a doctor. We have Dr. Mike Raycox here with us, and he is a doctor in Chicago, a family practitioner, and is has a new position at Northwestern. And we have had nothing but exciting, energetic conversations about food and health and salt and olive oil. And I thought it would be really fun to sit down and share some of this with our, you know, our dozens of listeners out there. So, so welcome, Mike. Hey, no, thanks for having me, Ashley. It's been, it's been really, really, really fun the last five days being here. Well, we're so glad you came out. So let's talk a little bit. Um, first, tell us a little bit about you and your history and health and food. Well, I, I, for the first 10 years of my practice was a, a small town doctor in Colorado. And, uh, you know, took care of the whole town and the surrounding 10 miles and uh, really learned a lot about helping people to take care of themselves through diet and nutrition, exercise. Those things, I think, were probably had the most impact for anything that I could do. So although I could treat disease, I found that trying to prevent disease and, you know, promoting wellness and well-being was much more impactful on people and their lives than just treating their disease and their illness once once they were discovered. So although we did do a lot of diagnosing of disease, I, f- I found it much more rewarding to try to prevent those things. And so that's really been the main focus for my practice in medicine since then. And it's been, uh, yeah, I've been in practice now 16 years. And how about some of the exciting things you're um, taking on at Northwestern? Well, at Northwestern, I'm really looking forward to it because I've joined a large medical group and I'm the director of population medicine there. And so I have a much larger role uh, working with a large medical group and a large group of, you know, 150 primary care doctors. Um, And my main job, in addition to having a practice there, is going to be to help them um, with quality improvement and quality measures and practicing better medicine. So I'm really looking forward to that as well and bringing what, you know, my take on prevention to a larger group of doctors so that I can have more impact on the population. It's great. And you have a, I don't know if you'd call it a niche or a focus, but you, uh, at least while you've been out here in Italy, you very seem to be interested in the uh, longevity of life and the relationship with health and the Mediterranean diet and some of that. So I think this is what is really exciting. Yeah. For me, uh, one of the biggest issues since I've, I've been in practice is, you know, people coming in 
not being, not having good habits that, you know, smoking, overeating, being overweight. This is true all over the world, but it's really true in the United States. And even in Colorado, which is the leanest state in the United States, we had major problems with childhood obesity and obesity in general. So uh, I found very soon that um, I have always been a cook and I've been cooking since I was five years old. And I started to adapt my cooking style to, style to help my patients. And in Colorado, that really, that really was great. When I moved to Chicago six years ago, I found that even though I was in a suburban area instead of a small town in a rural area, I could have the same impact. People were even more interested in having a healthy lifestyle and losing weight and being fit because, um, you know, unlike Colorado, the leanest state in the country, Illinois is not even close to that. And so this is a huge problem every day. And so I really felt like I could use my cooking skills, transition to more healthy cooking, and really get out in the community to have more impact that way. And that's what I've been doing for the last six years, cooking at farmer's markets and whole foods markets and um, adapting recipes for people when they come in, their favorite family recipes, to try to make them healthier, to try and get them eating better. I wish I had a doctor like you. So what are you doing here in Italy? I know there's some research involved, not just it's a bit of a vacation and a um, chance to eat and learn, but what are you here to do? Well, this, I'm, you know, since I'm, I'm, cha- I'm in between jobs, this is the rare occasion in my career where I have a couple weeks off, and I chose to spend it uh, going to medical conferences, uh, improving my skills. Oh, yeah, and tell and, us about your medical conference and, and, you went to as well in a minute. Right, so in, yeah, well, so in, in Napa, the first conference I went to, uh, which was one of my favorites, it's the second time I've attended, it's called Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives, and it's a, a joint conference between the Harvard School of Public Health and the Culinary Institute of America's Greystone Campus in just in the Napa Valley in St. Helena. And that is a combination of chefs and public health physicians. Uh, And the conference is designed to teach doctors and healthcare professionals and nutritionists and chefs how to prepare healthier food and to understand the state of the science for nutrition. So it seems like a no brainer, but it, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It, it, the, what most people don't understand is that doctors receive, even to this day, very little or no training in nutrition when they're in medical school. And so uh, 19 years ago when I you know, finished medical school, um, I probably had an hour or two of lecture total on nutrition. And I've had- Really? Yeah. Me, yeah. Total. So in, this in does go back to your whole thing of prevention as well. So if you're only being taught this as a doctor, then how are you able to teach this to your patients as well? Yeah. I mean, I think, the- I, I think the truth is, is that most doctors don't really do a whole lot of nutrition and they certainly don't do a lot of good advising of patients on healthy eating and even fitness. Most patients report that even when they go into a doctor's office overweight, probably two thirds of them report that the doctor didn't even bring it up. So we're, we're as physicians, we're doing a really bad job at talking to people about their weight and obtaining lean body weight um, or healthy weight. And we're doing a really bad job talking about people's diets. And the reason is there's a reason. And the reason is we're just so busy. We don't have a ton of time. We might have 10 minutes to see you and talk about multiple medical problems that are really serious. Um, I think it warrants the time and that we need to start spending more time on this. And, and, and it's happening, but it's a slow process. Most The doctors have to go seek education to learn how to better advise their patients. That's why this conference in Napa was such a great one. It's, it's helping 500 doctors every year. That's great. I was going to ask, how many are there? Yeah, 500. And I attended one a couple of years ago from uh, University of Arizona. Andrew Weil has a conference every year. This one was in San Francisco a few years ago. Same thing, just to get a little bit better um, knowledge of nutrition and how to advise my patients. And that one was packed, you know, probably five or 600 doctors at that conference as well. So doctors are seeking the information, but it's going to be a slow transition. Mm-hmm. And okay. So now back to what you're doing here, okay. you, uh, you, 
besides cooking and whatnot, you've been asking um, a lot of Italians some very specific questions. Yeah. What are they? Let's talk well, about that. All right. Well, one of the reasons that I really like this region. Uh, yeah, I love this part. Yeah, <laughs> is, is that so, – so a lot of people know about what blue zones are. Blue zones are areas that have been identified in the world. There's um, probably about a dozen of them where people live a really long time. I mean people live to be 90, 100 consistently. And uh, you know, people have gone to these areas to study what are the commonalities, what are the common things that are happening in these regions that, that – so, to understand why people live longer in some areas than others. Mm-hmm. And in you know, Italy happens to be in the top ten uh, countries where people live the longest. They have the longest in the top 10 for life expectancy. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to come to Italy and study the Mediterranean diet. It's really hot. It's in the news. But um, Le Marche region in general is number one in Italy for longevity. And so the fact Hold that the you're presses. here – Hold the presses. Can you repeat that one more time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that where we sit right now – is the largest, the, the longest lived region in Italy. People have the longest life expectancy of any region in Italy in this area. It's incredible. Jason and I will joke that we think, and joke but serious, that we feel like when we moved here that we added years to our life from the kind of activity that we do, the um, not being so sedentary at a desk, um, to the way we eat, to the air we breathe, and to our stress level. So it's something we kind of play around with already. But... Uh, in this um, uh, recipe for longevity, what is the what is that recipe? Well, I, well, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I think the first and foremost, when they look at blue zones, and, and especially in this area, what they're most famous for is their laid back lifestyle. One of the things that you hear constantly about this area is. We don't worry about much. We don't watch the clocks. It's, I mean, you'll read that everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that you kind feel of, it. Yeah, that kind of lifestyle. And it doesn't mean that the people here are lazy. The people here exactly. are constantly mm-hmm. moving, and they're very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not worried. They're mm-hmm. not stressed. And one of the reasons is the sense of community and family here is so strong there's not so much to worry about. No matter what happens to these people, they will take care of each other. Exactly. And, and there's not a lot of places in the world where that's true, and it's certainly not true in the United States. There's a lot of stress and fear yeah. in people all the time. Where's my food coming from? Where's my paycheck coming from? What happens if I lose my – all those things, if I lose my job or, the, or if my car battery is dead or you know, my car doesn't start in the morning, what do I do? Yeah, and we're, and we're living at a, in, in Italy. They're living at a time of, of severe, extreme turbulence. With There is no government right now, correct? Exactly. I mean, government in turmoil here. And the crisis, yet, financial crisis. I'm- and you walk the streets here and people, families are, people are smiling every day and laughing and life goes on and you would have no idea mm-hmm. walking through any part that I've been to in the, in the last five days of this region. Um, you would have no idea that any of this was going on. People seem extremely happy. They're extremely relaxed. They're busy doing their thing. Um, it's it's just incredible to see. And and that the, the intense sense of community is something that I wish we had back home and that you see in certain areas a little bit here and a little bit there. But I think the American culture is definitely missing that sense of community. And, and that sense of family, I think, has fit long ago faded in our, in our culture. It's so true. I mean, we – is kind of a trite way to say it. In eight years in New York, we didn't know our neighbors' names, but in eight months, we uh, knew everyone in town here. You know, we didn't know our, the people in our building in New York before that, that it's just this kind of feeling that, like you said, no matter what the uh, kind of state of the government is here or the financial crisis or any of it, there's this 
very calm feeling that it's going to be okay. I don't stress about those things because I know we're in yeah. it's kind of a ridiculous thing in one aspect, especially coming from New York or this kind of a, the sky is falling mentality that you just go, it's going to be fine. Okay. Even if the shit hits the fan, we're, we've taught ourselves now how to garden or we have neighbors with, um, you know, animals uh, with livestock and these things in, well, it, like if, if you got a comfort level, yeah, if you got snowed in and you had no way to get food, I, you, you probably wouldn't have to worry for more than a few hours and somebody would show up if you lost mm-hmm. your electricity and couldn't have food here, couldn't stay warm. I mean, I, you know, yeah, when we had take a, you in, right? When we had I the mean, snowstorm last year, of 10 feet of snow, people were calling us from town and, um, texting us saying, do you need to do you come to our house, spend the night at our house? And we couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so touching because they knew we were down this long road out here, isolated, and that these people in town had their own worries and making sure they were doing okay in the weather and all of this, but that they were thinking about us down here. I don't know. There, there really is a, such a strong feeling that I, I just had no idea that that would be such a high level on a life expectancy. Cause we were talking about depression and suicide and things that how communities, when they, people feel needed. Yeah. How- people need a sense of purpose. Uh, it's absolutely critical. And when they lose that sense of purpose, um, which often happens when they retire or when a loved one dies, uh, you know, in, in, in the, you know, in the United States, when, uh, somebody is older and they lose a, a, a spouse that they've had for decades, they mm-hmm. typically don't often live that long if they're, if they're, if they're older. Um, and, and that isn't, that's not uncommon, but here, you know, the other thing I love about here is so, so we've got the sense of community, mm-hmm. the laid back attitude, and then you've got the food of the region. And I think that's the other, you know, the other really key factor is, is that the diet eaten here, you've got, the sea is very close by. So you've got an abundance of fresh fish and seafood, which is great. And then you also have all this farmland where you can grow, you know, the whole grains grow here, citrus grows here, you know, so fruits and vegetables everywhere, olives, olive oil, um, all of the things that you hear about in the Mediterranean diet in the news these days that um, are supposed to be so good for you and help increase your, your quality of life, uh, th- these people have been eating this way for hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's no question that in addition to those lifestyle uh, and, and uh, cultural issues that happen here that the food is a huge factor. And so one of the great things about staying at this agriturismo is – Yes, tell me. Yeah, <laughs> is, is that I can learn how to cook this food really well. And, I, and you know, I've – I've been cooking this style of food, you know, for, for years and years and years, but I've never gone out and foraged for radicchio, you know, and wild radicchio and brought it home and cooked it down and stuffed ravioli with it or... That was fun. We did know, that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just not something that you can, that you can do at home and mm-hmm. walk out the door and pick your herbs mm-hmm. that are growing, you know, next to a tree in your, in your yard and all, and, and go to the, the, the farmer's markets in town are unbelievable with you know, fish and vegetables and everybody's so nice, but to learn how to cook this food and we've cooked a lot of vegetables. We have. I, I really <laughs> wanted to, wanted to pick up as many techniques as I can. And I mean, everything, I mean, you know, we cook fresh spinach the first night that I was here. Um, even, you know, roasted cauliflower. Um, you know, we did, you know, we, we had grilled pork chops, extremely lean, but great fresh from the area. And even the dessert, which was, you know, it was a walnut apple torta was extremely light, small portion, mm-hmm. but it really finished off the meal nicely with the digestivo that I think you made. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was delicious. And that really, again, that's another one of those things that, that, 
very common in Israel, uh, Israel, <laughs> not necessarily in Israel, but in Italy, um, digestivos are extremely common. And I think they, you know, people say here and the doctors say here, um, you know, really help with digestion and, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's very common. And we it, don't do that at home. The, the hard part is it's absolutely delicious and a bit of a nice little boozy kick at your end of the meal. But a lot of times I have to tell people, don't shoot it, sip it, enjoy it. It's Meant to be an aid to digestion, not to um, right. inebriation. We're Americans, right? We're Americans. <laughs> we have to shoot everything like that. I mean, have another one. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm like, don't I know? This is supposed to help you go to bed. It's um, digestivity are kind of something funny that after dinner drinks to help you digest because a lot of women in Italy, I don't know if it's for being prim and proper or if it's the way they're raised or just a general taste bud thing, but a lot of women um, aren't big drinkers who are, are out here. It could also be we surround ourselves with a lot of women over 60, but um, they won't drink a lot of wine or anything during their meal and maybe rarely put a little Sambuca in their cafe, but almost regularly will they t- accept and say, yes, I'll take a Sambuca or a grappa after dinner to help me digest, which I just find that kind of interesting that um, it, it really is an, yeah, a digestion aid. It's not just... Um, yeah, it's I mean, that's sweet. And and again, uh, you know, speaking with local healthcare professionals in this area, they really feel like it's a it's a really uh, you know a really good thing for you. And 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 so this and the second that was the that was the first night. I mean, I arrived in the late afternoon. We had that, and then this, the next day, the second day that I was here, my first really half day of cooking, we cooked all anapasti, almost all vegetables, and. You know, but I think the highlight for me really was getting to sit down and have dinner with Dr. Gaji, who I've been hearing about on your, you know, podcast for a long time. And 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 to have him, come, you know, a cardiologist from this region taking care of these people, and uh, you know, to sit down and be able to spend a couple hours with him, what a that was really fun. I know, a great guy. <laughs> that was really a highlight. I'm glad, and I know that it was really fun for him because it's. Also, if you think about that, here we are, way out here down some dirt country road, yet there is a, <laughs> a prestigious doctor from Chicago here staying at her house. And so for Gaji, that's something really incredible too. Like that's a chance in a lifetime to hear your point of view of what the healthcare is like in the States or to ask some questions. And so it is just as uh, um, fulfilling for him as I'm sure it is for you. And so let's talk about some of the questions you asked him too. Well, I, you know, I asked him, I, you know, I know, I know from what I've read about the area for why I, why, what, what they publish and what people say about why people live so long, but I've been really interested in asking the people who live here why they think that people live so long here. And it was great to be able to ask a cardiologist mm-hmm. those same questions. And what was really interesting was he gave all the same answers that everybody, everybody else did. But, you know, he knows that their laid back lifestyle is absolutely critical and that they don't worry and that they don't watch clocks. He even said it, we, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, that's that all of it's, all of it's really true. I mean, those things really, they're, they're factors in Crete, they're factors in Okinawa, you know, all of these places where people live a really long time. And they absolutely are true here. And all of the people that I've asked, even the people on the street that I've asked, um, they've all given the same answers. And, and I have to say to everybody out there, I really speak almost no Italian. I can order a coffee. Um, I can order some food in a restaurant. But to have the translators that I've had with me everywhere, and Ashley and Jason have been fantastic, and so that I could have a two- or three-hour meal with Dr. Gaji, 
And there was just, we didn't miss a beat. I mean, they were translating like crazy, you know, speaking in Italian and English for me. And it really felt like we were talking to each other. That was really cool. Good, so, good. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, and, you know, don't feel like if you don't speak Italian, you can't come to this region. Um, people are extremely nice and everybody's worked with me. And again, I have almost very little uh, well, and, um, skills in Italian. We so. should preface that Mike doesn't walk into a normal cafe or um, grocery store butcher shop like a normal person. <laughs> he enters um, with a um, video camera strapped to his forehead <laughs> like, a, like a lantern. Yeah, I've got a, I've got an HD hero, um, you know, GoPro <laughs> camera on me at all times usually, and I, I like wearing it around, uh, you know, with like a helmet cam. And, you know, it looks very strange, but i got to say about, about this area, what I really like is when the Italians see you filming them, they smile and they get excited and they really enjoy it. And I think they think it's really cool. I think so too. Other places that I've been, um, you not know, not so, so much. much. <laughs> yeah. People are really not into it, but I haven't, I haven't had any hostile reactions, even from, you know, people at, at the stalls, at the farmer's markets, everybody's been super great and willing to talk and, mm-hmm. and smiling and kind so of fumble through it. Oh, I'm it's sure. been well, really fun. And I'm recording all this because, you know, I don't want to miss a thing. I, I you know, I want to learn how to pick the freshest vegetables at the markets. And I, you know, I want to, you know, I've learned, I mean, since I've been here, you know, not only have I learned. I think the classic things that people like to do, like, you know, I feel very confident that I can make pasta and then I can make pizza and then I'll find a way to make it as healthy as I can for me and my patients. But in general, I think it's really healthy the way those things are made here. Um, but just the vegetable cookery here in general, the Mediterranean cooking, you know, I can now, I can take a whole fish now. I, I can, I can pick it out at the market. I can take it home and clean it properly and scale it and roast it. And that's something that, you know, I don't do a lot at home. I see whole fish in the markets. They're a lot cheaper. The, the, usually the freshest fish that we have at home are whole fish that haven't been butchered yet, haven't been cleaned. Um, and, and now I'm really excited that I can go select a great fish and prepare it at home. And I have the skills to do that. I've been here four days. Um, you know, I can make pasta, I can make pizza. I mean, this, you know, from that standpoint, the skills that I've gained, it's absolutely incredible. And I think it's going to, it's going to really help me, uh, you know, translate that into, um, giving my patients even more as far as healthy cooking and delicious cook. You know, well, food. and you do something really cool. Thank you, by the way, not that I taught you anything, but, um, that I, I think it's really cool that you do cooking classes, uh, for the community in different libraries or things yeah. like that. And I think that is such a great way to reach out to not only your patients, but then beyond the whole community and say, there's ways I'm a doctor and I get it. And I'm going to, I'm here to help you and help prevent these things. And cause it seems like there's a lot of myths around things like, like, a, or confusion, or I'm not sure, especially a, in my mind, listening to cooking classes with the guests, olive oil and salt in particular. Right. I mean, I mean, so, you know, olive oil, that's one of those things, you know, in America, you know, fat has been evil for decades. And most people don't realize that um, several years ago, according to the large, some of the largest studies ever done anywhere, um, you know, low fat diets don't work. They're, you know, they're, they really don't work. They don't help you lose weight. And, and not all fat is bad for you. So fats like olive oil are extremely good for you, not in huge quantities, but in small quantities, they, they help, you know, lower your bad cholesterol and raise your good cholesterol. And, you know, cultures that, 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 that eat olive oil regularly, daily, seem to do better in general and live longer in general than, than, you know, than, than people that use more saturated fats like cream and butter. Um, so olive oil is really, really good for you. And it's really good to eat a little bit every day. Same thing with nuts. A handful of nuts every day is fantastic for you. People that eat a handful of nuts 
in general live longer than you know than people who don't. I mean, that's one of those little things that you can do that really helps. The salt myth really is, you know, everybody knows that salt isn't great for you and you, and you shouldn't have too much. But in the United States, in your diet, 70% of salt in most people's diet in the United States comes from commercially produced and processed foods. And so, uh, you know, so the, the average, uh, you know, salt consumption of the, of the Americans, 70% of sodium content, salt content coming into their diet is coming from you know, processed food. And so it's not the salt that you cook with at home typically that's a problem. And it's not the salt that you sprinkle a little bit on your food when you're in a restaurant or cooking at home. It's it's the frozen meals. It's the, the canned can. goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all of the commercially processed. So I think in Italy, it's not as big a problem. And again, in this region in particular, I, there is no commercially produced food that I've seen since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Every Everything we've eaten since we've been here has been homemade. And yeah. I get the sense that that's the same in every house in this region. Correct? I would I would agree. In most houses, uh... um, I, I, it's not 100%. It never can be. But I would say it's a drastically reduced amount of processed food compared to the, just the aisles. And we talked about this. Yeah. You walk through the grocery store here. The vegetable section is huge. The fresh, the fresh dairy, the fresh cheese section is huge. The uh, the meat section is big, and the inner aisles with the the processed food, the the cookies and the crackers, it's very it's much smaller in comparison. Yeah, and I have to say, all the shopping we've done, we've been in shops where they either exclusively sold vegetables with a few little things, or maybe you'll you know you'll hit a, you know farmers market where again you can you, you know there's no there's really no processed food at the farmers market, and you know we'll get into that season at home soon, and I encourage everybody to shop as much as you can and you can afford to at a farmer's market uh, because there's usually nothing processed there. But I do think the fact that people cook more, Mm -hmm. this is another key part of of people that live in blue zones and people that eat healthy um, that we're getting away from in the United States is eating at home, having a family meal, preparing your food. One of the reasons, one of the theories behind the obesity epidemic that's happening in the United States is that, you know, half of all food dollars are spent outside the home now. And it was, that was never the case. If you go back to 20 or 30 years. What was, um, people were cooking at home. Remember when you were, <laughs> when God was here, uh, remember his reaction when you mentioned how many people eat in their car? Yeah. What I was mean, that statistic I mean, yeah, you yeah, said? Some, some estimates are up to 20% of the food eaten outside the home are eaten in automobiles. Gaji freaked out and said he's never seen anyone eat in their car before. <laughs> yeah, because you don't, you know, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a drive through No, since no I've been it here. doesn't exist. And at home, if you go back 10 or 20 years, you know, maybe you had, you know, places like McDonald's where you would drive through for lunch and dinner, mostly dinner, then lunch became extremely popular. And now with Starbucks having drive-thrus everywhere and Dunkin' Donuts having drive-thrus everywhere, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks in between. Mm -hmm. And it's unbelievable when I look at a diet log, when I have people write down everything they've eaten for the last couple weeks, which I do with my patients who want to get healthier, um, they come in and they are hitting these uh, drive throughs for coffees several times a day, and they're not getting black coffee. They're getting, you know, a frappuccino. They're getting a large latte with, with you know, whole milk sometimes. Some, you know, some of these drinks are between five and 800 calories. Or they're getting a low-calorie drink with a muffin, but they don't understand that the muffin has 500 calories. So they get their workout in at the gym. They burn about 200 calories, and on the way home, they grab, you know, a coffee and a muffin, and they undo every bit of good that they did towards, you know, maintaining their weight. Mm-hmm. With a little snack on the way home before they, you know, well, and part cook of it dinner. is, like you said, it's it's in our culture. It's just everywhere. We're inundated with the fast food or the processed food that it's so easy. It seems so convenient. And and talking about the preparation of food, something we were discussing earlier today um, with a woman from Piobico who was here. 
is the uh, lack of microwaves even in Italian homes. And just as we were discussing, like, the activity it takes to create your meal and the importance of that. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the more active you are physically, exercise is really important, but physical activity is extremely important too. One of the best lectures I attended at this Healthy Kitchens, Healthy Lives conference, um, you know, from the Harvard School of Public Health, um, was a lecture from a man who, uh, he's a physiatrist, a physical medicine doctor, and his, his, you know, the most important message uh, that he gave that day, uh, that was given that day of the whole conference was, uh, the more sedentary you are, the more likely you are to die. Uh, and that's a fact. So if you sit around on the couch and you sit around at a desk all day and, you know, you come home and you watch TV, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're in big trouble. And that was so, my previous life. Yeah, I mean, I, I you mean, would just take, you'd wake up, take the train, sit on the train, sit at your desk. Yeah. I'd worked out, but an hour workout when you're doing that and eating so much shit. I mean, what does that yeah. really even do? Yeah. And, 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 and so, so, you, you know, feel bloated even, and, yeah, so we, so because of our, our society and the way we live and we don't walk to work and we, mm-hmm. you know, very little walking to get to public transportation, we need to structure, um, either exercise into our lives, which, which is what we recommend all the time. But people are so overwhelmed with raising their children and working so hard and working six days a week. A lot of people don't have time to exercise, but 30 minutes a day of brisk walking counts. And if you get it in 10 minute blocks, it counts. So if you get a break during the day, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes on the way home, you're done. You can get 30 minutes in and it counts. And you're telling me that even cooking dinner and just taking a little more time in cooking dinner counts. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, that's the difference. I mean, you pop a frozen dinner in a microwave or a frozen dinner in an oven and you go back to watching TV and 40 minutes later you eat the food that you made, which is full of preservatives and and salt, um, you know, compared to, uh, you know, preparing a meal, which might take you 30 to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's physically, physically, uh, you know, physical activity. I mean, that's, that's good for you. And not to mention when you're cooking your own food, you know exactly what's in it. Mm-hmm. Again, you're going to have less salt because you're preparing it yourself and it's not processed and you have the choice to throw in some healthy things. So even if you like to cook, uh, you know, a steak or hamburgers or macaroni and cheese, I mean, if you can throw in some roasted cauliflower, like we made on the first night, if you can, you know, throw in some salads and some greens, I mean, the greens here you know, are amazing, mm-hmm. you know, spinach, uh, you know, any leafy green is going to be great, but carrots, you know, broccoli, asparagus, there's so many different things, you know, the, the roasted peppers that we made the other night, uh, the pepperonata, you know, just very simple, doesn't take a lot of effort, great for you, you know, fennel salad with blood oranges that we made, you know, mm-hmm. again, things that take almost no time to prepare. Um, and are delicious and people just don't think, you know, there's fennel in pretty much every grocery store now in the United States, but I'm, I rarely see people cook with it. But, um, on a side note, as weird as this is, when you search like, uh, your Google analytics or your blog analytics and stuff, how to use fennel is like our, one of our number one searches of how people find us. Post on it. And I think yeah. it must be a thing that people are curious about it, or they know it's supposed to be good for you, but have no idea how to use it or cut it. But it's a funny one. Fennel's great. No, fennel's. I mean, those again, root vegetables well, and, and the citrus. You know, with the blood oranges that you have here are so beautiful. And I mean, the meal we're about to have, we're going to sit down and we're going to have. You know, you know. I mean, how great was it? We were sitting around talking. Um, shelling fava beans for, mm-hmm. I mean, really 15, 20 minutes, but that's really fun. Having a, having a glass of wine, shelling fava beans, talking about, you know, what's been going on. That is, that's a social thing. It's mm-hmm. really good. It, it takes energy to do. And I mean, the, the, the fava bean crostini that's sitting in front of me right now, we're about to eat dinner. Um, you know, we spent a couple hours, you know, we've got fava crostini. We've got, um, you know, this, these, uh, garden vegetable. Um, it's like a layered, 
ramekin almost in the oven of fresh vegetables that are going to be delicious, you know, seasoned with fresh herbs and lemon and plenty of olive oil. Yeah. Olive oil. I mean, I think, you know, it's going to be amazing. We've got a fish in the oven right now, you know, the fish stuffed with herbs and lemon roasting in rock salt. And, and again, that's the kind of thing where you think, oh, that's got to be really bad for you. But you know, the salt stays on the outside. It's used to cook the fish. It's Mm -hmm. not inside the fish. And there's nothing processed going on with the fish. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's for sure. And then, you know, and then we made a homemade, you know, a light dessert that's homemade. It's mostly, you know, apples and fresh walnuts and pine nuts and raisins, uh, you know, a little tiny splash of Sambuca for flavor. And there's a little bit of a light uh, crust on the outside. But, uh, you know, that is, I mean, I'm really excited for dinner tonight. That I know. Really yeah. <laughs> we should wrap this up so we can have dinner as well. Jason uh, delivered the fava crostini and it looks absolutely delicious. But to sum it up. For a long life and a great Mediterranean kind of diet or lifestyle would be, uh, be community. As, be as relaxed as you can, as much Stress as you free, can. Stress-free, right. part of your community. Your stress mm-hmm. and, you know, try to get involved with your community or your family even. I mean, try starting family meals again, even if it's just it's one so a day. Important. It's so right? true. Sit down and have dinner and find out what your kids are doing in I their know. lives. And, I mean, so that, that, that connection. And if you, know, and if you, if you have, don't have kids at home and it's, you know – Plugging back into the community, you know, crucial. Mm-hmm. Those things are critical. Then eating as many vegetables as you can, fish, olive oil, getting fiber into your diet, eating a handful of nuts a day, not smoking, drinking alcohol in moderation, a glass of wine a day or a drink a day. Those things are all extremely good for you. Um, and and that, that's, that will optimize your health and help you live as long as you can. Right. Uh, oh. But it's nothing that people don't know. Any, I mean, it's it's common sense, really, right? It's It's... I, I think that people have lost sight of common sense, at least where we live. I, you're, there's no question that – you know. so I have a large practice of people who come in and they say, I want to lose weight. And every time I start talking, they say, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. And I, and I look at them and I say, well, if you know everything, why are you here? And they, they, they need somebody to hold them accountable because they know it all. But they can't do it. They have no willpower, and they're so busy stressing and worrying about all the other things that they're doing that they just they don't take care of themselves. And they and they might take care of their kids or their or their you know their spouse, but they don't take care of themselves. And so it's just it's like this race that's going on full speed all the time. People are neglecting their health. And so I think that if if, if physicians were better trained to help people that they're helping to take care of. Uh, and could hold the people that they take care of accountable for their health a little bit more. And instead of everybody just coming to a doctor to get fixed, they come to a doctor and have a relationship with the doctor so they can try to help them be healthier. I mean, that's what I want to do. I want to help my patients be healthier people, mm-hmm. not healthier patients, healthier people, and live their lives and have a better quality of life so they don't have to come in so much. You know, with chronic disease management, you know, they don't, I don't want them to get the diseases. And if they have them, let's try to do as much as we can to get them out of that situation so they can rely less on medicine and more on lifestyle. And, and that's, I think, really important. Is, are there any resources or websites that you can throw off the top of your head where people can yeah, go I mean, to? I mean, if you really – I mean, nutrition is a big one. And I think that there's so much misinformation out there about all of the supplements and things you need to do to be healthy. Harvard has a website. It's called – it's the Harvard's Nutrition Source. It's through the Harvard School of Public Health. Um, I think the nutrition source from Harvard, if you Google it, probably the single best evidence-based information on nutrition that you can find. And I think that is really helpful. Also, there's the Institute of Lifestyle Medicine. Um, Lifestyle medicine is the kind of medicine I'm talking about. The Institute of Lifestyle Medicine has a registry of physicians like myself who are part of the College of Lifestyle Medicine who who practice this way, and there's usually a few in every city. There's not a ton, but those are some good places to start. But, I, you know, the nutrition probably the most important. Harvard Nutrition Source. Thank you so much, All Mike. Right, thanks, guys. <laughs>
it was a pleasure sharing the kitchen with you this week, and good luck in your new job. And uh, and um, I really appreciate it. It was great. It was yeah, a great and time. thanks. I really look forward to coming back, and I'm going to try and bring a whole bunch of my friends next time. Sounds good. Well, I think that was interesting. I hope some people out there thought so too. Um, yes, absolutely. I think he do- and he does. You can tell how much passion he has, and he really does a great job of breaking it down and explaining mm-hmm. really kind of some complex things in a really layman's terms. I liked it. I felt fat. I felt fat. And really <laughs> unhealthy. He never once was like made you feel fat, but he just told you all these ways of and being you're like, unhealthy. You're right. You're oh, right. Man. Yeah. Soda's terrible. I'm going to go eat a shame cookie. I'm going to go eat a shame cookie. I like it. Or two. Or two. Well, coming up this week, coming up the first get back, get on back into the swing of things real. Like, I... So this is New Year's. The season has started. Yes, it is. Uh, coming up this week, ooh, I get to do something fun. Every year, once a year, and only once a year, I get to dig a big hole <laughs> in front of the kitchen and clean out the grease trap. You lay on your belly, yep, stick, stick your, your arm, arm so deep into the hole that your face is almost into my, well, the... my face is pushed against the, uh-huh. um, against the dirt. And with a big, giant um, ladle, ladle, yeah, I ladle out all the... G- disgustingness out calcified of calcified fat, fat out of the grease trap nice it's a classy job see running an agriturismo is is all it's cracked up to be it is <laughs> so that's what i will be doing and it reeks it stinks it's gross it stinks so bad <laughs> he's always trying to get like someone from my family to do it when they come out or something like that it just is it's a, at least you know where the hole is yeah so it goes a lot quicker this now that i've figured out because all they give when i asked about this because the kitchen sink was making this gurgling sound and i asked what's going on here and and uh, no one knew and i went to fushiani and i said where is the map of the septic system so I found this, the, uh, after much hole digging about my fifth hole, I found the right one I was supposed to do. Oh my God. It was hysterical, but tragic and sad at the same time because it was like, son of a bitch, where's this goddamn Well, there's no, there's no, um, there's lots of buried tanks out in our yard for septic system and the grease and the, um, brown water system and almost like it's a riddle just an equation yeah. like on a piece of paper so it's not like it's not like there's something um up on the ground level no all these things are buried anywhere from 60 centimeters to one meter underneath the uh underneath the ground and, and what it, you do is you take a tape measure yeah. and you measure from corner from the one corner of the house and the other corner of the house and f- certain measurements and where those two intersect each other if you make like an x where those two measurements intersect is where you're supposed to dig down. Needless Very, to say, there was some say, trial and error. Needless yeah. to say, that's why there were six holes. <laughs> not so precise. Not so precise. That which is shocking. <laughs> shocking to me. So that's what I'll be doing today. Ashley, what, what do you got on the agenda? Oh, my gosh. We need to stop by and see Carolyn. We'll check on the tomato seedlings and see how they're popping up. Um, working on the book, of course. And I took some awesome pictures of La Rochiata, which is a gorgeous apple and um, pine nut, walnut, rustic roll. And from the, Umbria. From Umbria. And the dough is really cool because it's made with olive oil and white wine. And it's really delicious. And it came out awesome when you were doing it in your last cooking class. So I took some great pictures and I want to post that recipe. 
Yep. Um, coming up here soon, there'll start to be the festivals and all the stuff going on in, in the Marques. So. Oh, this weekend is supposed to be the fe- the Festival of the Frogs in Fermignano. Oh, yeah, we've been to that one. Do you want to tell them about this one? Well, we've talked about it before, real I know. Quick, quick. But real quick, um, so in Fermignano, they have the Festa di Rana. And it's... Rana. Rana is f- spider. Rana. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I'm, gonna, I'm a jerk. <laughs> and, uh, and they put these frogs on wheelbarrows, these like flat medieval wheelbarrow things. And in costume, like, what would you say their costumes are? Like, um, uh, surf? Renis- Renaissance. Yeah, Renaissance kind of um, costumes. They would run through the village. And if the frog jumps off, they have to put the frog back on and keep going. And. It's this hysterical festival. <laughs> and then you eat frog, fried frog's legs. Yeah, and it, but for some reason, it's to celebrate, like, their liberation from the Duke or something. And I don't know what exactly the frogs have to do with it, but there's tons of frogs. When it gets really wet and, and rainy out here, frogs cover our street. And it is so weird because you think, where the hell did all of these frogs come from? And where do they go the next morning? It is... Isn't it totally bizarre? There are a lot... When it gets wet, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of huge, frogs like, that come out. frogs and toads and... It's kind of well, you, forgot best, you forgot the best part of the whole... Making fun of you? No. Oh, what? You forgot the best part of the whole um, the whole race. Oh, you're right. So it's the neighborhoods compete against each other. And the, um, the dinner or the food served at the festival is fried frog's legs or frogs in porchetta. And it goes full circle, that's for sure. That's not what I was talking about. Oh, so like, there is a vet that checks all the frogs oh. right before the race to make sure no one has drugged the frogs. Because yes. if your frog jumps off your cart, you have to stop and put him back on. So if you if the if the frog is all doped up and loopy, he won't go anywhere. He'll just sit right on there. So oh, it's serious business. It is serious business. Oh my god! All right, very good. Bring it home for this week. All right, all right. Thanks for listening again, everyone. And um, next week's podcast is going to be a dedicated pizza one oh one. Thanks to an email listener, uh, long time listener, first time caller. I love it when you say long time first time. <laughs> long time first time. That was awesome. And um, so we're gonna go over um, a bunch of. Pizza questions and technique and recipe, the whole thing. It's, so I know I'm going to start firing up the pizza oven here. I know. Soon. We're going to talk about temperature and how to get your heat right in a wood-fired oven. It'll be pretty cool. And so if you guys have any other questions regarding pizza, definitely shoot them in this week or Facebook us with them. Facebook. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, blog, YouTube, Vimeo, all those places, LinkedIn, at La Tavola Marque, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-M-A-R-C. H-E. And that's latavalamarque.com, or you can shoot us an email at info at latavalamarque.com. All right, very good. Well, from uh, cloudy, overcast, overcast, kind of chilly. I know, but I'm looking at the flower buds, so it's making yeah, me really happy. It's starting to flower, so it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Very good. Have a wonderful week, and thank you so much for listening. Ciao. Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. 
Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com. That's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com and find out how to submit your show.